The opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of Burning Man Project. Common side effects include moderate to severe confusion, partial enlightenment, utopianism, surrealism, situationism, and wild-eyed enthusiasm. If you have frequent thoughts of a transformative nature, you should continue listening immediately. Ask your life coach if you are spiritually healthy enough for this podcast. Welcome to the Burning Man Philosophical Center. Teresa Duncan spent her whole adult life doing development and fundraising work for nonprofits, but after she went to her first Burning Man, she realized she hadn't understood gifts at all. On Playa, she discovered a gifting culture so powerful that at first she didn't even know how to participate. That's not an uncommon experience. Many of us realize our first Burning Man that we are so used to thinking in terms of transactional relationships that we simply don't know how to give the kind of life-changing gift we are being offered on Playa. We don't even know how to accept it graciously. Today, Teresa is Burning Man's Director of Philanthropic Engagement and prefers to talk about a gift culture rather than a gift economy, because economy implies a balanced transfer, while the power of a gift comes from its lack of balance. Teresa Duncan is our guest at the Burning Man Philosophical Center, and we talk about what she calls the evolution of gift-giving in the lives of burners and how to give joyfully. So, Teresa, the notion of a gift economy has, has always struck me as being the wrong way to think about this. You've, you've talked about having an immediate experience of Burning Man as a gifting culture. Mm-hmm. Could, could you, you have a great story about how you first encountered that. Could you, could you tell us about that? Yeah, it was really interesting. This is coming into my, my first year at Burning Man. And I come from a career in fundraising. So mm-hmm. I had been raising gifts in fundraising, thinking about giving and philanthropy, every single day um, for more than 13 years, mm-hmm. um, and even prior to that had always been involved in the nonprofit world. Mm-hmm. So my life in many ways was all about giving. And I felt very privileged to have that kind of career in life dedicated to giving. So I show up at Burning Man um, alone. My friends had arrived a couple days before me. And I remember within the first few hours just being completely struck by giving on Playa. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't that professional curiosity about the giving, it was that I had never encountered generosity like that before. Mm -hmm. And it took me a while to process. I I don't even think I was quite processing what I was experiencing when I was there. It was kind of the unpacking of that later. But just really recognizing that the generosity was so deeply ingrained in the culture. and when I first really recognized this was that in my inability to accept the gifts. Mm. <laughs> so that was a surprise for me because being being so involved in philanthropy and nonprofits, and then I get on Playa and people are offering me gifts of all different kinds. Mm-hmm. And my my instinct was to say, no, no, I'm good, or no, thank you. Right. Or, and to realize that to say yes is to acknowledge and honor the gift that's being offered. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to me that we talk a lot about the process of giving and the giver and giving gifts, but there, there's a whole emotional component to receiving gifts as well that I don't know that we talk as, as much about. And, that's, mm-hmm. and you really put your finger on that. That Yeah, there's, there's a, a psychological process, a sociological process, something going on with being able to be open and receive gifts as well as someone is giving them to you. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know that I've heard much talked about that. 
Yeah, it, it struck me just because I felt so awkward in accepting those gifts. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't know where that was exactly coming from. And when I started to get more comfortable with accepting the gifts, I was opening myself up to the experience mm-hmm. and to people. Mm-hmm. And part of the genuine relationship that grows out of our encounters at Burning Man, um, a lot of people talk about how there's there's no filters or it's like people take their, their masks off and they're really kind of face-to-face mm-hmm. with people, kind of heart-to-heart. And a lot of that has to do, I think, with the gift culture. Yes. The giving and the receiving. And if you're blocked on either way, either the inability to really think about what gifts mean the most to you to give, mm-hmm. or you're blocked from receiving those gifts, that affects the way you can connect to everyone else. Right. Which is, which is why I like your notion of a gift culture so much better than the idea of a gift economy. Yeah. Because the economy makes it seem about the things. It's the movement of the things. But in fact, my experience of gifting ultimately was about connecting with people mm-hmm. and giving people an opportunity to talk to me that they might not have otherwise taken. And it gives me an opportunity to talk to people and connect with people who I might otherwise not reach out to because I wouldn't feel like I had a good excuse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's a really great point. And, and the gift economy, the word economy is loaded because it implies some kind of balanced transfer. Mm. It's not mm-hmm. just the transaction that happens in an economy. It's that there's an expectation that whatever gift is given, there's something equal given in exchange. Mm-hmm. And what I found is that some of the most beautiful and profound and inspiring gifts on Playa have no semblance of balance. Right, right. <laughs> because how can, how can you look at... Um, a 20-foot structure in the middle of the desert that someone gifted to the community, mm-hmm. you can't give anything in exchange for that. Right. That would be equal to that. Right. Um, and the temptation when someone hands you something, my instinct was to hand something back. Mm-hmm. And that's also um, part of the liberating moment to recognize that you can accept that gift without that immediate exchange. Right. So that's where the economy word becomes loaded. Mm-hmm. And it implies that transaction. Yeah, I would have to say that while there there have been good moments where I have given something to someone and they have then given something back to me mm-hmm. or, you know, someone gave something to me and I gave something back to them, those, those have been good moments, right. but there have been some really profound moments where someone has given something to me without any expectation yeah. of return. It just, it just seemed like a, a thunderbolt out of the blue mm-hmm. and it, that was kind of life-changing and I, I think that I have had some moments where I have given something to someone that was just completely out of the blue, unexpected, and, you know, and there was, you know, and then I got out of there before they could, you know, even, and it's just, just these amazing moments. Yeah. Um, but, but it's also that I think we're not talking about sort of prefabricated gifts in a sense. It's not a sort of a generic piece of swag yeah, that you're, yeah. you're giving out in those transactions. That's a really good point, too, because when I think about the gift culture, not just the gift economy, mm-hmm. but when I think about the gift culture, I also see an evolution of gift giving. Oh, so what I have heard through different stories is that instinct in year one or year two of going to Burning Man, you see all the gifts around you and you're surrounded. Mm-hmm. And we go to what's familiar. Mm-hmm. So I can relate to this because my second year on Playa, I made 500 buttons. Mm-hmm. I wanted to give buttons. It was camp monkey business, and I wanted to give that out to everyone because I wanted to reach as many people with a gift from me to them. Right. And that was beautiful, and I think it was right at the moment. But I also love to hear, and where the pull is, is that evolution of gifting. So the following year, thinking about 
okay, I might not give a gift to 500 people, but maybe I can give a gift to 20 people, mm-hmm. and that gift will blow them away. Mm-hmm. Um, or that gift will be the exact right thing they need at that exact right time. Mm-hmm. And as I hear about um, kind of burners through the ages and how their experience of Burning Man changes, I've also noticed that their um, desire to give changes and mm-hmm. how they give those gifts. Um, and I think I can also see that reflected in your your gifts that you give on Yeah, I was I was just going to say that <laughs> that ev- that sort of evolution from the okay, how do I reach as many people as possible to how do I make as profound a gift as possible, and it doesn't matter how many people get it as long as they're the right people, mm-hmm. is exactly yeah. the 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 path that, that I've been on, moving from the sort of, you know, try attempt at grand gestures to trying to create something very intimate that I can hand out at exactly the right moment. Mm-hmm. And if it, if it, you know, reaches 10, 20, 30, I, mean, I have, I can, you know, last Burning Man, it was about 70 people. Mm-hmm. Um, but every single one of them was a, was a magical moment. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, but, but I think, I think there's a real learning curve here too. I mean, the, the reason why I think I was on that path is that I didn't know how to do that. At first, I had I could I had, didn't have the tools. I didn't have the mental agility to, or you know con- conceptual whatever it is to do what I did. You know, this past year, my first few years, mm-hmm. you know, I, I just hadn't figured it out. Yeah, and I think a lot of people go through that. Mm-hmm. I think that experience of you're immediately uh, in awe of what you're seeing on Playa, mm-hmm. and you're in your immediate response. And thank goodness, because it shows the goodness in humanity. Yeah. Our immediate instinct is to give back. Mm-hmm. And again, I think we go to something that's familiar or, or something that's common. And then how do we break out of that? And it, right. takes, it takes learning and experience and practice and modeling, seeing yeah. what other people do as their way of gifting. Yeah, I've, I've often said that I think one of the purest expressions of Burning Man culture is to see a complete stranger doing something utterly weird and potentially unnecessary and then go, how can I help? Yeah. <laughs> and, it's, but, and that's the impulse. But yeah. it, there really is a, a learning curve there. Um, yeah, I think, I think that's, exact, that's exactly right. Yeah, and it, get, it gets modeled. You see other people doing it and you gradually figure out, okay, this is, this is how I could do it. And mm-hmm. not even the same thing they're doing because, you know, our, our skills are somewhat different. I, yeah, and, and seeing where that inspiration comes from. And, and I've heard um, some beautiful stories from artists who never even thought of themselves as an artist, mm. but saw that out there and realized that what's the gift that they could give to Playa? Mm. And it was also a gift they had to nurture within themselves. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. The, art, the artist Christopher Sharp told me at one point that in one of his early Burning Man's, maybe his first one, he, he saw a giant VCR, a sculpture of a VCR that was blinking 12 constantly. And mm-hmm. it was really funny just to see out there, right? And, yeah. and, he, and he, but he told me his thought process was, okay, if somebody can do that and it works, I can do that. I know how to do something yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you see that um, inspiration play out in art, which is a gift mm-hmm. as well, um, in how people build theme camps. Mm-hmm. Because you see that, that um, the theme camp across the way that you pass by and you're just amazed at what they're doing right. and that experience you have there and then you look back at your own theme camp and think okay what do, what do I want to do here next mm-hmm. year right um, it, it makes yeah. me wonder if one of the reasons why we we have this learning curve when we go through this is that in our daily lives mm-hmm. we have we have lost the, the capacity to give like this so there's this whole whole process of giving this whole 
area of giving, a giant culture of giving that we have just mm-hmm. let completely drop away in, in favor of a more transactional model of life. That's, that's such, I'm so glad you said that because it just sparked a thought. And mm-hmm. I'm thinking about why I was so um, taken aback by the generosity on Playa, mm-hmm. even having come from a career in fundraising. Mm-hmm. And part of it is that giving donations to nonprofits while not everyone does it, it's still an expectation in society. Mm-hmm. And what we experience out on the playa is the the playfulness and the spontaneity of giving, like you said, a television that's blinking 12 out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but the idea that our default world is missing the spirit of giving. Mm-hmm. And that's part of why we are so moved out on the playa is that we're seeing people give so much of themselves and be so present in the moment mm-hmm. and willing to give anything they have. There's, right. it's, it's become second nature because everyone else is doing it right. too. So it becomes just right. a natural order and it's joyful. Mm-hmm. No, and that's just, yeah. it is wholly voluntary. I mean, it's, there's, there's no, there's no demand for it. People mm-hmm. are just moved to do it. And I think mm-hmm. many of them before coming out there, didn't I mean, like me, didn't even have a sense yeah. that this was possible, that yeah. it, it could be like this. I mean, I'm, I'm struck by the, the, the difference in the kind of fundraising that, that you were doing before and then experience of because, of course, tell me if I'm wrong, but mm-hmm. a lot of development is really asking people, hey, come on, come on, give something, <laughs> give something, you know, come on, guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah and as, because the, the, so traditional fundraising, is noble and beautiful and there's just incredible generosity that takes place out there in nonprofits for social service for museums for universities hospitals but i will say there is that tendency to to kind of almost arm twisting Mm -hmm. or peer pressure Mm -hmm. or the publishing of donor lists so that you can see what your friends are giving and you want to match what they're giving. Mm-hmm. Um, reading those social cues on how to give and who to give to. Mm-hmm. There's also in traditional fundraising that sense of belonging. So you're giving to kind of belong to something. Right. And a lot of the thinking I've been doing here is thinking about how is fundraising different for Burning Man Project? Mm-hmm. How should it be different? Why should it be different? Mm-hmm. Who do we think we are that we can reinvent traditional fundraising? <laughs> right. At the same time, because of that uh, gifting culture on Playa and the joy that it brings to everyone, I think we are in a position to mm-hmm. offer something. Mm-hmm. And it's not that, uh, like you had said, come on, give, I really need you to give, or that, that putting that pressure on people right. to give. On Playa, you don't see any of that. Right. Because people are inspired and they give of their own volition. And it's the desire to give more and more. Mm-hmm. And w- how that creates joy and how it creates... Um, I'm thinking of a quote from Lewis's, Lewis Hyde's The Gift. Mm-hmm. He says that gifting is a form of social cohesion. Right. And how I think the gifting culture of Burning Man can inspire and influence the gifting culture out in the world mm-hmm. and create more social cohesion in the process. Right. You used the phrase joyful earlier, and I think that's exactly it. Mm-hmm. And can we, can we make it joyful as, mm-hmm. a, as opposed to a, an onerous responsibility? Mm-hmm. I think one of the challenges that I see is that Black Rock City um, has no transactions and you can't buy or barter or sell anything. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a decommodified culture. Right. And... In that, we've made money taboo. 
because we look at Black Rock City and we enjoy those pure encounters with mm-hmm. our community. So in a way, we've create we've made money an accidental villain mm-hmm. in our storytelling. Right. And when you get out into the default world, you still need money. You yeah. need money to survive on. You need money for shelter. You need money to build art projects, to build mutant vehicles. Mm-hmm. And Burning Man Project needs money to to achieve our mission and to support our community, both the building of the infrastructure of our beloved Black Rock City and all the work that we're doing around the world and supporting burners everywhere who are inspired to do more. Mm -hmm. But how do we raise support for Burning Man Project when the very subject of money oftentimes is uh, marginalized or or, uh, not embraced? Mm Yeah, no, that's that, that's a lot of what we were looking at in uh, the Philosophical Center's 2016 series on art, money, and the Renaissance. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, yeah, it very much seemed to come down to the fact that you can't you can't wish money away. And in fact, if you do, you're actually not using it as a generative cultural force. That it can mm-hmm. it can mm-hmm. bring tremendous things in, do tremendous good, and no one suffers under the illusion that no money goes into BlackRock City. Right. On the contrary, it's but what happens is that money is being channeled toward support of a unconditional culture mm-hmm. as opposed to culture being put into the service of money mm-hmm. yeah yeah and when um when we get to black rock city and we see what's happening out there we're trying to make sense of what's out there mm-hmm. which we can't because it's kind of an impossible place <laughs> right but my instinct with my background was to say who funded this who made this possible who's giving this and the fact that that wasn't obvious or even um, that information wasn't even attainable right. made it all the more magical mm-hmm. that the money really was happening behind the scenes without expectation of recognition or credit right. made it, again, coming back to the word joyful, it made it more joyful yeah. because it was a gift given in the true spirit of giving mm-hmm. um, without that expectation or credit or recognition. And I, on the other hand, the, the, the counterpoint to that is I want to recognize and appreciate and um, give credit to those people who are so <laughs> incredibly generous. And I think that the lesson there is that the every single participant is a donor. Mm-hmm. Every single participant is giving. Mm-hmm. And they could be giving in their theme camps, in their art projects. They could be just being present in a conversation right. is a gift. Right. Well, yeah. I, would, I would say that it's it's interesting because... In fact, it is possible to find out who did things. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, if you if you want to know, hey, who put that giant sculpture out there, mm-hmm. you can you can look it up. That information is available. Generally, you have to be off playa for it at that point. But also, you know, people can people on playa can tell you. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just that um, money is not mediating your experience of it. True. And mm-hmm. so, in in that sense, I mean, we're we're all in favor of artists getting credit for their work and for people going, hey, that so-and-so does an amazing bean camp, wow. Um, I mean, there's nothing wrong with, with credit for that. But, mm-hmm. yeah, there is a sense in which, you know, the, the price tag isn't attached and money isn't mediating your experience of it and you get to experience it on the terms you want to mm-hmm. as opposed to the terms that, you know, are, are being demanded of you. Mm-hmm. Um, That's true, yeah. And, and um, thinking about you go your entire time at, at, at Black Rock City without a wallet, without a credit card, without cash in your hands, mm-hmm. unless you're buying ice right. or <laughs> coffee. Um, and that just removing that physical reminder that money determines access. 
because at Black Rock City, everything is accessible. Mm-hmm. Nothing has limits or tiers or levels. Like right. You, you're, you're not reminded of what you have or what you don't have. And in that way, it's very democratic, and everyone is mm-hmm. really equal in that way. Yeah. Um, and it's a stark and jolting experience to come back to the default <laughs> world. And that first reminder, when you pay for that first meal when you're out off the playa, it's jarring. Mm-hmm. It feels strange. It's, you just feel that disorientation um, from having to... to to then realizing that things are mediated by money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. It's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> to, to be continued. Yeah. Teresa Duncan, yeah. thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> You've been listening to Teresa Duncan, and this has been a podcast of the Burning Man Philosophical Center. The Philosophical Center is a production of Larry Harvey. Our theme music is by Ariel Cruz. I'm Caveat. We'll talk to you again soon. <laughs>